It is 11.30 here at KRVN, which means it's time for midday. Here on this Monday, the 21st day of June. Glad to be a part of your day. Tyler Cavalli along with you. We'll hear from Jason Jorgensen in sports coming up. A busy weekend in sports. We'll review some of that coming up in just a minute or so. Bob Rogan will tell us how stocks are performing to start this brand new week. And of course, at 11.45, we'll hear from Paul Perkins as he will tell us when the heat will return or how long these uh, cool temperatures will last. Again, only 70 degrees right now here at Lexington, which is a big drop in temperature compared to what we had a week ago. But let's head to the eastern side of the state and get caught up with Susan Littlefield. And Susan, how's uh, your early week going so far? It has been amazing because, as us military moms say, boots in the house. Mm. I had a surprise guest come home for the weekend, so I've been a pretty happy mama having my my oldest time from the Army. That's good. I'm sure you are enjoying that. A nice little uh, surprise there, I'm sure. Very much so. Very good. Well, what do you have coming up for us on Midday today? Well, Alex will kick everything off for us here at 1219 as she talks with the Nebraska Beef Council beef and what their summer promotion is all about. Then at 1245, we'll have Clay step in as he talks with Randy Sainer. He's a Nebraska Extension educator, and he'll highlight some of the research that's being done with co-op grazing cattle and sheep together, believe it or not. There are some cattle guys out there that run sheep with their operations. We'll talk more about that. And then I'll wrap up everything here at 117 as we continue that discussion on sustainability in agriculture, this time looking at it from a financial standpoint, from not only the House Ag Committee, but also from a producer in Iowa. So that's our midday. Okay, a lot of good content coming up. We appreciate it, and uh, enjoy your son being back. I will do so. Thanks. All right. Thank you. Let's turn things over to Jason Jorgensen in sports and a busy weekend in the sporting world. Yeah, the Huskers continue to do okay with summer recruiting. They're able to pluck one of the top receivers out of Colorado. Tell you more about him. Also, what a day to be in Omaha for the CWS. There's an elimination game this afternoon. A couple of Pac-12 schools will square off as Stanford takes on Arizona. But, But if you were to pick a day to be in Omaha for the CWS... It'd be today. No, it's the total opposite of every time it seems like when I go, it's freaking 100 degrees out and just sitting out there on those bleachers in the middle of the day, it's awful. Yeah, well, it won't be today. No. Also, we'll talk a little NBA. As the top two seeds in the playoffs were knocked out, mm-hmm. and Philadelphia fans in true Philadelphia tradition last night stayed classy as they booed the 76ers off the court after they lost to Milwaukee. I like that they never hold back. Whatever sport it is, they're always honest, and you know they always just put it out there. I mean, this is the same bunch of people who one time booed Santa Claus <laughs> in a parade. They booed Hall of Famer and the great Mike Schmidt toward the tail end of his yeah, career. Yeah. And last night they let the 76ers know about it as uh, they were beaten by Milwaukee. And uh, Atlanta, Atlanta. I'm sorry, yeah, Atlanta. Atlanta. Yeah, yes. yeah. but uh, you know, listen, it's uh, it's a tough, it's a hard town. <laughs> it is, you know. So <laughs> it's it's nothing that anybody doesn't expect anymore. Four seventy sixers. That's all right. All right, thank you very much. Let's turn things over to Bob Brogan. How are uh, stocks performing? Stocks are posting some solid gains and trading today following the market's steep declines the previous week. Also, China's biggest banks have promised to refuse to help customers trade Bitcoin, so they're saying no go on that. Mm. And Facebook is launching podcasts and live audio streams to compete with emerging rivals. Paul gets it all.
It is time for Regional Ag Weather Update. Paul Perkins now joining us here in the studio. And goodness gracious, this is a, a step back in temperatures from what we had a week ago. Yeah, and very comfortable outside right now. Most of us with temperatures in the low half of the 70s, even still some upper 60s from Ogallala into northwest Kansas and a little bit of northeast Colorado. Mm. And you'll notice hardly any humidity out there. Those mm. dew points currently in the upper 40s to low 50s, very uh, comfortable, especially for the first full day of summer across the area. Yeah, I was going to say it doesn't feel like the first full day of summer. <laughs> no, not last at all. week was more appropriate. Uh-huh. Yeah, a little uh, summer definitely arriving early last week with the those triple-digit temperatures. We look to have some heat for the midweek here, but mm-hmm. not quite as hot as what we did see last week. A little bit of light rain and sprinkle activity trying to get going right now over the Nebraska Sandhills, and that is kicking up some clouds from about southwest of O'Neill to just north of North Platte. A little bit of light rain and some sprinkle activity currently from north of Burwell to about just north of North Platte. That will be gradually moving to the southeast, but most likely just making it to the ground as some sprinkles across our area. But as you mentioned before, don't fret if you like the heat. That'll be returning upper 90s expected probably Wednesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Exactly. Yeah, it looks like the second, third, and fourth full days, of, uh, fourth full days <laughs> of summer are going to be when the heat really, really returns. Not this first full day of summer for today. And the reasoning for these lower temperatures today, in particular, are we had a big cold front move through in the overnight. Then was producing some nice light rain over northern Kansas. The bulk of the activity well into mm. southern. Kansas, so a cold front moving through, helping to usher in some of that drier air and also some high pressure pushing in from the north and giving us that drier air and also some cooler temperatures. Going to be very comfortable for tonight for sleeping weather, too. That is true, and if anything, it gives you a chance to give your air conditioners a yeah. break today as, as well. Yes, yeah, give it a breather because it's going to be needed over the next few days for the midweek. On this first full day of summer, sunny to partly cloudy skies today, our temperatures going to be about 5 to 10 degrees cooler than normal, and with that high pressure moving in from the Dakota in behind that cold front they move through. High pressures overhead for tonight. That will lead to lows dropping into the 50s, so some clear skies and light winds. A building ridge of high pressure from the desert southwest, returning those daytime highs back to the 90s as soon as tomorrow and lasting until Thursday. That high pressure ridge breaking down by Wednesday night through Friday night with the return of some off and on thunderstorm chances. Looking at the scenario of multiple disturbances leading to thunderstorms developing over the high plains. And what's left of those thunderstorms tracking then into Nebraska and Kansas? Looks like our best thunderstorm chances potentially on Thursday night into Friday with the cold front pushing to the south. Our temperatures for Friday through the weekend look to cool back to seasonal and below normal levels, and it looks to be a dry weekend. In the long-term forecast, Nebraska and Kansas temperatures likely to be right around seasonal for this weekend through very early next week. But warmer than normal temperatures are back by the middle of next week through Independence Day for Nebraska, Kansas, and the western two-thirds of the U.S., that big ridge of high pressure over the western U.S., once again reasserting itself. Below normal rainfall predicted for Nebraska, Kansas, and much of the western and central U.S. this weekend through the 4th of July, especially late next week through the 4th. Key weather factors impacting the markets include moderate to heavy rain across the eastern Corn Belt with limited rain across the western Corn Belt and a long-lasting heat wave in the Black Sea region. Lingering tropical moisture from Claudette will result in locally heavy rain in the south and eastern U.S. Late in the week, a new cold front should spark another round of rain across the plains, Midwest, and Mid-South. 
Over this uh, over this past weekend, though, there were some flooding rains in South Indiana and Southwest Ohio, with more moderate amounts along the Iowa Missouri border through Central Illinois and across Southern Michigan. Rain will continue across the Southeast Midwest through today before it ends. Rain late this week and weekend will promise to be beneficial across the Midwest, but some areas though likely to be missed in the Southern Plains this last weekend. Moderate rain limited to areas from Northeast Colorado to right along the Kansas-Nebraska border and across. Southern Kansas last night with the recent heat. Conditions were good for wheat harvest, but deteriorating for corn and soybeans. The rains are helpful, but likely not enough. Much of the Southern Plains, though, expected to see a better chance for widespread rain late this week into this upcoming weekend. In the Black Sea region, heat is building. Looks to be a mainstay through the week, especially across southwest Russia, where temperatures may eclipse 100 for several days. The heat quick quickly turned the soils dry for developing corn and spring wheat. Showers will start to move into southwest Russia this next upcoming weekend, dropping their temperatures by several degrees. So enjoy today a, a reprieve from the heat. It'll be returning by this weekend. We'll see some more seasonal temperatures, but a nice break at least for today. Yeah, it's kind of hard to believe that we're not really going to see any kind of a transition day between today and tomorrow. With Usually you see the 70s, if we do see a cool down, but it's going to be right into the 90s as we head mm. towards tomorrow after we see these temperatures today in the 70s. So, so yeah, enjoy. A big warm-up then coming up compared to today. All right, very good. For a full week forecast, we're where do you find that? Weather page, krvn.com. Thank you, Paul. Public Power District. With the official start to summer, it's going to be a summer of beef giveaways. I'm Alex Wojcicki on the Rural Radio Network. And joining us over the phone today is Adam Wagner. He is Director of Marketing for the Nebraska Beef Council. Adam, the summer of beef giveaways. Tell us what it's all about. Well, you're right, Alex. As we move into the official start of summer, I guess, uh, you know, the Beef It's What's for Dinner Facebook group is is rolling out the Summer of Beef Giveaway campaign. And it's really meant to encourage consumers to fire up the grill and enjoy their favorite beef items with their family and friends this summer. The campaign actually kicked off uh, on Memorial Day weekend, but it will continue on throughout the summer months. And the Beef Checkoff has partnered with a variety of some other companies and organizations to provide some really fun giveaways and prizes to those who follow their social media platforms and engage with them through those platforms. Prizes so far have included things like a uh, Pit Boss Grill, a beef prize pack from Kansas City State Company, some propane vouchers for Rhino Grills, and um, some really cool Beef It's What's For Dinner swag. So all those things are really just meant to encourage people to get out, get behind the grill, and enjoy some beef. There's also going to be some giveaways throughout the summer. Um, if you follow the Beef It's What's For Dinner Facebook and Instagram page uh, with some additional items, again, throughout the summer. So people are really encouraged to follow those platforms and interact that way. Um, it, it, I wanted to mention also that the Beef It's What's For Dinner Facebook page has over a million followers. So it kind of goes without saying that social media is a really great platform for us to reach a wide range of consumers, especially throughout the summer. So all summer long, Adam, it's going to be, of course, a great opportunity to celebrate the summer with beef. And along those same lines, a couple of months ago, I guess, or last month, you guys launched the Nebraska Beef Passport Program featuring over 40 restaurants across the state of Nebraska. Can you give us an update on this? 
Yeah, our, our beef passport program has been rolling along really well. In fact, we send out passports every single day. And for those that are not familiar with the program, the Nebraska Beef Passport is a way for consumers to find some really great restaurants across the state that serve amazing beef menu items. And as you visit those participating restaurants and order beef, you're able to receive some stamps that make you eligible for prize giveaways from the Nebraska Beef Council. And as of this week, we have sent out over 14,000 passports to over 500 communities across the state. We've also set up an online community through our Nebraska Beef Passport Facebook group, and there's over 700 members of that community. And this has been a really fun way to see people uh, who post pictures from their stops on the passport and have shared their experiences. Members of the Facebook group can also win a variety of additional prizes that we're giving away through the Beef Council all summer long. They just have to join the conversation and share their love for beef and their experience as they travel uh, through the passport program. We're going to continue uh, with this pro, uh, promotion all the way through Labor Day weekend, so there's plenty of time for people to get out and get their passports stamped or even just order their passport if they haven't gotten one. If you want more information about the participating restaurants, the prizes, or if you want to receive your free passport, you just have to visit goodlifegreatstakes.org or search for the Nebraska Beef Passport on Facebook or Instagram. All right. Great information as always. Adam, thanks so much. Hey, I appreciate it. Thanks, Alex. Again, joining us, that's been Adam Wagner. He's Director of Marketing for the Nebraska Beef Council. And if you want more information on the Summer of Beef giveaways or find more information on the Good Life Great Steaks Nebraska Beef Passport Program, all of that information is at nebeef.org. Broadcasting from the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. You're listening to the World Radio Network. It is time for Midday Sports. Jason Jordan is joining us in another day of uh, busy College World Series action coming underway this afternoon. You know, what a great day to take in a game, the Big O. You have the uh, elimination game between a couple of Pac-12 powers this afternoon. Stanford against Arizona. Then tonight, winner's bracket matchup. NC State seems hard to believe they were yeah. pasted by Arkansas in that first game 21-3. to They've been out of roll since they haven't lost. No. We'll take on Vanderbilt tonight. No, North Carolina, the, the Wolfpack, they've been the real deal. That's a team that, and I think they just needed momentum. They get, got the bad one out of the way after that first bad loss, and it's the nice thing about having it being a, a two or three series. And I'll, I'll, I will never forget all of the Husker fans who were on Twitter after they lost that first game yeah. saying, you know, hey, Nebraska got it. And Nebraska did get a bad deal, but still. Right. Saying NC State didn't belong, and then, <laughs> no, I, I think they belong. I wonder if, let's say Nebraska did beat Arkansas and moved on and played North Carolina State, uh, who would have came out of that one? I don't know. That would have been an interesting uh, match or series there. We'll never know. But Vanderbilt, that's a tough team. They're always good. Always solid. And I'm sure their whistlers will be there again tonight. Yes. Yep. So that's, that's their thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Hastings hosted the eight-man All-Star football game on Saturday. They had a good game. East was able to hang on and win it 40-29. to Highline's Connor Schutz had a nice game for the West, throwing a 50-yard TD pass. He also had eight carries 
for 44 yards. Scott Frost continues to pick up some verbal commitments for the 2022 class this summer. Huskers picked up another one yesterday in Grant Page. He's from Boulder, Colorado, three-star wide receiver from Fairview. Uh, he was just on the Lincoln campus a little more than a, a week ago with double-digit offers on the table. The six foot three, one hundred and ninety-pound Page is one of the more coveted pass catchers in the Mountain Region, according to twenty-four-seven Sports. He's the sixty-first-rated athlete and the number three overall prospect in the state of Colorado <laughs> last year. In just seven games, he had fifty-eight catches for eight hundred and fifteen yards. Pretty solid for high school. Yeah. yeah, and the insiders are saying that expect possibly three, if not more, verbal commitments for Scott Frost this week. Really? So they they right. made some headway with those camps they've had actually being able to have kids on campus. Hopefully everyone sticks to their word. Sticks to the word, and I feel like we've had some good recruits since he's been at Nebraska as well, and they haven't panned out either. Yeah, it's, it's just one half of it. Major League Baseball will start its crackdown against pitchers using sticky substances with umpires making regular random mound checks starting today. Pitchers will be ejected and suspended for 10 games if they're caught using foreign substances to doctor baseballs such as grip aids ranging from a tacky mix of rosin and sunscreen to heavy-duty concoctions designed for use in strongman competitions. <laughs> now, why why is there such a push on this now because people have been cheating forever right and that's what a lot of these older pitchers from you know the 80s 90s and whatever have been saying it's like we've all been trying to find that edge i think now because some of these pitchers are becoming more uh, uh either doing it more or they're not hiding it as well as as they used to and so i think some of these batters too are starting to call them out you're too young to remember when one of the Negro brothers, and they were Hall of Famers, and they mm-hmm. went out to stop him late 80s, early 90s, and he tried to fling the emery board to the side <laughs> so the umpire didn't, didn't see, see him. It. I'll never. That was awesome video, and he got the heave-ho. So yeah. pitchers, be aware. Yeah, I'm not, uh, again, I, I suppose if you're a batter and you're always striking out and you could never, especially these guys, pitchers nowadays, I mean, these throwing heaters all the time mm-hmm. and is the strikeout rate so i suppose some of these batters knowing that's when they're you know pitchers are doing this calling them out a little more we'll see who gets caught first yeah. all the indignity that will be right correct <laughs> yeah they'll find other yeah. ways they'll still do oh, it yeah. they'll just find other ways to keep doing it so that is a look at sports for more find it anytime at krvn.com thank you very much agriculture the community of lexington is encouraging people to donate blood on july 12th 2021 from 12 p.m to 6 p.m at the parkview youth activity center 1105 park street just west of plum creek park by donating blood you're helping those who have been seriously injured and need blood products to help them recover it's the blood already on the shelves that helps save lives. Every day, the American Red Cross must collect more than 13,000 blood donations to meet the needs of trauma patients and others with serious medical conditions. While all blood types are needed, type O negative donors are especially important because it is the universal blood type. Those who give blood between July 7th through the 31st with Red Cross, they will receive an automatic entry for a chance to win gas for a year, a $5,000 value.
A 17-year-old Nebraska man has been charged with felony child abuse in the death of his six-month-old daughter. Chief Deputy Douglas County Attorney Brenda Beadle said the girl suffered significant injuries, including retinal hemorrhaging, while her father was caring for her on June 3rd, and the injuries don't appear to be accidental. Beadle said the teen took his daughter to a neighbor's apartment after she became unresponsive. The girl was rushed to a hospital where she died two days later. Beadle said the charges against the father may be upgraded after prosecutors received the results of some additional testing that was done as part of the girl's autopsy. Nebraska Governor Pete Ricketts plans to send about two dozen state troopers to Texas later this month to help patrol the nation's border with Mexico. Ricketts has criticized President Joe Biden's approach to border security and several other policies, but he said the aid is being provided to Texas under a pre-existing agreement that is normally activated in times of emergencies. Nebraska's announcement on Saturday came several days after Florida officials said they would also send law enforcement officers to Texas and Arizona. Ricketts says the troopers will spend up to 16 days helping the Texas Department of Public Safety, but didn't say how the deployment would be paid for. Sergeant Alex Huntley, the lead investigator into allegations of sex trafficking by 57-year-old Billy Quinn, was on the witness stand Friday in Quinn's jury trial being held in Furnace County District Court. Under questioning by the prosecutor, Huntley explained that about eight people have been arrested in connection with the case and more than 75 interviews have been conducted. Even after a year and a half, he considered the investigation to be ongoing. The investigation is so large, and there's so many people involved in so many interviews that still have yet to be done that we're just not, we're not conduct, we're not concluded with this investigation at all. Quinn is on trial for 14 charges in connection with the alleged sexual assault of a girl at 15 and 16 years of age, along with purportedly trafficking her for sex to other men. The trial is expected to conclude on Friday. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Ellie. Futures and Options. Clay Patton on the World Radio Network. Over the weekend, I was going through some files and realized that I had not gotten to air one of the interviews I collected at the Mid-States Hair Sheep Cooperative Field Day that was held back in May. So went over, listened to it again, still some very crucial information. So bringing it to you now, just about a month later, let's roll back the calendars and go back to the Mid-States Hair Sheep Cooperative's Field Day held back in May as we learn more about how UNL is looking at co-op grazing. On the Road for Agriculture, I'm Clay Patton on the Rural Radio Network as we're at the Mid-States Hair Sheep Cooperative's Lamb and Goat, Sheep and Goat Field Day near Lexington, Nebraska, on the Bull Tackle Research Farm, talking with UNL Extension. That's Randy Sainer. He is the Extension Educator on the Beef Systems. But, Randy, you're also starting to look at how can we co-op small ruminants into it. So after we come here through today, kind of talk to us. Where is your research, kind of the things you're focusing on incorporating small ruminants into a, into a cow herd? So, so we've worked with several producers, and we actually have one producer in the, in the middle part of the state here that's brought in a 1,100 ewes, and he's adding it to his beef operation and uh, hasn't had to change any of his stocking rate. So the idea is, is maybe you bring on a son, and you don't, you know, you got to make some more money for that son. What, what about bringing in a, bringing 1,100 ewes if you have 1,100 cows? And maybe he has, he makes money from the sheep, and he makes money from the cattle. And so that's one of our, and, and also by co-grazing, we know that they eat different plants, okay? So sheep are going to eat more forbs, 
and cattle eat more grass. So the nice thing is the sheep aren't going to eat everything the cattle eat. So you can add that ewe and, into a cattle operation and really not change your stocking rate. So you sell more total pounds of meat off that same operation. makes you more efficient, makes the land more efficient, and it looks like it could be an extra income source for beef producers. Looking at efficiencies like that, are we going away from the mantra of number of cows per X acres and are we starting to look at how much can an acre produce in terms of a protein product similar to what we would look at at a cornfield how many bushels to the acre can it produce yeah I think I think that's where we got to head to because efficiency is going to be the key and as land costs go up as taxes go up all, all those costs go up we got to find more ways to get more out of that same acre of land and doing the, the sheep operation or adding goats to cattle can do that for you. And in some cases, I have people adding both sheep and goats and cattle as a, as a combination of co-grazing. We talked with the uh, the cooperative themselves and kind of going over some of the numbers of people here, about half of them aren't members and really are just trying to figure out what it's all about, whether it be in the hair sheep or be in uh, wool sheep or goats. So with that, are you seeing a rise in the number of people that are A, either considering adding these livestock to a more traditional cattle operation, or is there just kind of a boom on the small acreage side of it where they're wanting to bring them in? You know, you know, I'd say it's both. Um, we're seeing a, a rise in the small acreages because sheep and goats work really well in small acreages, really better than cows because you have less investment. Um, but, but on the large acreages, we, we're seeing some interest in that too. And I think it's just a matter of time before we see more of it, just because of the cost of everything. And right now, uh, sheep and goats are pretty high, high prices and so um, can you sell a calf for three dollars a pound uh, probably not you can uh, you can a goat and you can sheep about two bucks or 250 for some of these hair sheep and so you don't you don't have to shear them anymore these these hair sheep which makes it really nice because some people don't like to shear so it really gives you a lot of options with these small ruminants and some of these people are new and we continue to find new people and i noticed since i've started working in this small ruminant area with producers um we see a lot of new people all the time there's always people coming in and people leaving so it, it's a constant turnover um, but we're seeing some longtime producers that are very efficiently look at this as a potential increase in income for their operation. Randy, we appreciate the time and kind of walking us through all the different backgrounds that you're looking at going forward. Does UNL want to expand their small ruminants and kind of continue to increase this or are we going to see how it goes for a while before we move any further with it? Yeah, I don't foresee us getting a small ruminant specialist or anything like that, but I do see us working with cattle people to bring in more more small ruminants to fit, and that's what, and see how it goes, and and then maybe long term there might be some interest in bringing some other people on. But right now, we do have some researchers working with small ruminants already at UNL, but really our research is focused on beef production and how can we make it better, and small ruminants might be a way to do that. Randy, we appreciate the time. Anything we've overlooked? Final or closing thoughts for us. No, I, I think these kind of events are good for people to come out and see and just experiment with if, if they like it or not. And you're always willing to call me at the Extension Office in North Platte. Um, so just give me a call if you have questions. If you want to learn, we can get you to a producer that's got both sheep and cattle and visit with them too. And I did forget to mention that earlier. Randy is based out of the North Platte Research Station, so western Nebraska, central Nebraska, helping to serve a lot of those regions. That's Randy Sainer. He is the Beef Systems Extension Educator for UNL and Nebraska. So I'm going here at the Mid-States Air Sheep Cooperative Sheep and Goat Field Day in Lexington. Thanks for listening to the Rural Radio Network.
Business Report for Monday. I'm Bob Bergen. Stocks are posting solid gains in afternoon trading following the market's steep declines the previous week. Banks, which were hit hard last week, were among the biggest gainers. The S&P 500 was up 1.2%. The Dow Jones Industrial Average was up 1.5%. And the NASDAQ was up 7 tenths of a percent. Stocks fell sharply last week after Federal Reserve officials indicated that they were willing to start raising interest rates in 2022 or 2023 earlier than the Fed had forecast earlier. China's biggest banks have promised to refuse to help customers trade Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies after the central bank said executives were told to step up enforcement of a government ban. Regulators appear to be worried that despite a 2013 ban on Chinese institutions handling cryptocurrencies, the state-run financial system might be exposed indirectly to risks. The four major state-owned banks and payment service Alipay promised to step up monitoring of customers and block use of their accounts to buy or trade cryptocurrencies. Facebook is launching podcasts and live audio streams in the U.S. to compete with emerging rivals. Facebook says it's allowing public figures with verified accounts to start live audio rooms and invite anyone else to speak. CEO Mark Zuckerberg, who has appeared on the video streaming app Clubhouse in the past, hosted his own live audio room on his Facebook page last week. But podcasts and live audio have also been an outlet for racism, misinformation, and extremist material. Live audio is especially difficult to moderate compared with traditional social media posts. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm... Agriculture. Sometimes in order to get programs to work like you want on a federal level, the funding has to be there. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. During a sustainability and agriculture moving from promise to practice webinar with AgriPulse, Mitchell Hora was asked about funding and if funding from a federal level was there, would it help with the sustainability projects? Again, Mitchell is an Iowa farmer and he is CEO of Continuum Ag. Yeah, I think that's huge. And, you know, I call it, you know, Farmers need just kind of a helping hand and somebody that's there to help to guide them. But what I see, though, as being most successful in that is when farmers are learning from other farmers. And that's where we need to be able to drive is is allowing for that, allowing for that innovation, allowing for that community to really be built. And uh, and that's why, you know, exactly what we're spending you know all day doing is, you know, helping other farmers and helping them to learn and helping them to gather a better understanding I think that's a huge piece of this is helping farmers to to have that trusted advice, to have somebody that they know they can call on, that they can lean on, that they can go and learn from. But they need to be, need to be able to have that touch and feel. And, you know, farmers need to be able to understand kind of the know-how. Um, but we really need to be able to equip them with better data and an understanding of how to quantify this, how to actually make meaningful change, and how to understand looking for the right things and adopting and, and changing practices. And a huge driver of that is we need to ensure that yield is not the only driver of success. That's huge. We've got to be able to help farmers to better understand profitability, to better understand their environmental impact, and better equip them with data. Um, so I think that you know uh, where the dollars can really help to drive is is ensuring that those farmers have a better understanding of how to quantify where they're at, not to quantify making change to be able to move themselves forward. But when you 
Mitchell's dad, Brian, weighed in on the need for technical assistance. Um, we need that from multiple levels. We need assistance from the NRCS. We need to partner with, and, and different farmers have different trusted advisors. That might be the NRCS. It might be their ag retailer. It might be independent consultants like Continual Mag or from other farmers like we have farmers from um, North Carolina, Indiana, um, and experts from Texas all here today to share their stories with other farmers and um, others in, in this industry trying to improve soil health. Um, so it, it comes from a multitude of sources and, um, and because every farmer wants something different. But the important part of it is, is that, as you mentioned, um, Representative Spamberger, about the one, you know, we can't make a mistake one year because um, we can't afford a one-year mistake. And soil health, water quality isn't a one-year solution. It takes multiple years of change. And we've, we see that on our own farm. That's what we've, we've witnessed over the last five years with the adoption of practices that we're using um, and collecting soil data, soil and water data, that we can actually see that the, the changes that are physically happening in the field are also happening underground. And securing, uh, sequestering more carbon, building better soil biology, soil health, and uh, but it takes time. And um, at my age, I don't have a lot of years left farming, uh, but you know, the next generation, Mitchell and younger brother um, as well, will be farming this, this ground for years to come. And um, we want to build that system for long-term and also share with other farmers how that can happen. Those comments coming from both Brian and Mitchell Hora, Iowa farmers, as they talk about the need for funding and sustainability. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Playpen on the Rural Radio Network. Let's check in on the closing grain trade with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago, publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. John, getting Monday started off a little bit to a mixed foot, but much better than the Sunday overnight open where we were kind of red across the board. Soybeans leading the way higher. Is this coming from those flash sales announced by USDA this morning? Yeah, beans had a good day. Big, big reversal, especially in the up off the lows. Uh, we got news on the Chinese purchase, which I imagine you're going to hear a lot more come out. And I think you'll hear corn purchases as well, um, which I think should percolate the July contracts here. And you also have a bean oil story where there's some deliveries that were posted and then taken down. So the, essentially, folks who want to deliver supply are like, ah, we're not going to deliver it at this price on the board. So um, I imagine you're going to see some good price action on the markets in July, the July contracts that have come off and traded discount to cash, that would be corn. I don't think soybeans July specifically would be the market you want to look at, but um, you know you look out deferreds that you certainly are at a discount. So uh, markets going to going to start to price in uh, the weather a lot more important. I think the USDA report next week holds a lot of sway, but in my opinion, we'll kind of trade past that and get right back to a weather forecast that longer term into July looks dry and hot, especially out your way. And then you had some opportunity to travel recently. What did the crops look like where you were at? Northern Illinois looks great. And Southern Illinois looks pretty good. And I think you get southeast of here into Ohio, you're probably going to see the same thing. Uh, crop is very, very good. Early development, a lot of moisture. And, um, you know, there's really nothing, nothing to worry about. But you're not going to we, – we need a perfect crop. And I mean, like you want to do 180 bushels an acre if you're a bear. Like anything less than that, the market's going to have to start to – cut supply elsewhere and I think at this point uh, it's going to be difficult to pitch for like a 182, 183 you know, above trend yield when you have droughts in Minnesota and Iowa and then their code is obviously talked about.
those those forecasts, the forecasts we've got for the next two weeks are turning very dry after this week. So the market get used to this. It's going to trade forecasts a week out. And as we get into July, it might even be longer term forecast into the middle part. So the July 15th, if you can kind of target that, it's hot and dry going into that. Um, you know, that's where the July contract delivery will be a value. And then the September even, I'm, that, that's taken a little bit of a whack against the December over the last few weeks. I think that could be a market that would really bid up. So watch it. It'll be, it'll be an exciting couple of weeks here if you're into watching price. That is John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago, and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. You can learn more at danielzagmarketing.com. That's danielzagmarketing.com. There you can also sign up for John's daily newsletter for free. That is uh, This Week in Grain, he calls that newsletter. Do remember, though, trading future options involve risk of loss may not be suitable for all investors. Consider these risks before investing. Thank you very much, Clay. That will wrap up this Monday edition of Midday. Catch the Midday podcast sponsored by Devaney Motors. Available wherever podcasts can be found or KRV.